and then having, you know, reminding myself, like I said, that, you know, to be, to have that self-faith and self-confidence and self-love when sometimes things aren't going well, or people are saying no, and you get rejections, you know, getting rejection is hard, but like, if you can get over it, you know, then, then there's just so much more opportunity. And I actually think that applies to everything in life, right? Like if you try and fail, at least you tried. So it's not really failing because you learned. But if you just, you know, are too scared to even try, you are automatically failed, mm -hmm. right? So it's just that, you know, um, that's been really challenging though, to sometimes have to remind myself, <laughs> you know, those lessons. Welcome to a new episode of uh, Community in Arabic. Uh, I'm so happy uh, to have Dr. Hanadi Youssef. Dr. Youssef, she's a, a Palestinian-American. She specializes in the, in the molecular and uh, biotech technology. Uh, she co-founded uh, Juvena Therapeutics, specializing in, in age-related diseases and its uh, therapeutics. Um, thank you so much for being with us, Hanadi. Thank you so much for having me, Anwad. Yeah, we're, we're excited to have yeah. you. So you come from a Palestinian background, but you were born in the United States. Tell us a little bit about, you know, your background and growing up in an immigrant family. Sure. Um, I grew up in a very large family uh, in Massachusetts until I was nine and then in New York uh, before I went off to college. Um, I would definitely consider, um, you know, really my, my parents' story as one that has been incredibly inspiring my entire life. Um, so both my parents, my mom and dad, were like so many Palestinians born as refugees um, due to the Nekba in 1948, where my dad's family was forced to flee to Amman. And he grew up in, you know, a UN refugee camp there, um, was literally born on the road as my grandma pregnant with him was fleeing by foot uh, to Jordan. And my my mom then was uh, born, you know, just a little, uh, you know, a couple years after the Nekba in in a refugee camp in um, in, the, in the West Bank, they're both originally from um, were from uh, the outskirts of Jerusalem, so part of Jerusalem. And you know, with with my parents, you know, in their story, what has been so inspiring, especially with my dad, was that you know they grew up with so much hardship, right, and poverty, um, with very limited resources, and you know, economic, and of course, the turmoil of war. And for my dad, what you know really got him out of that situation was education. He was um, incredibly hardworking, um, really persevered, and what managed actually, you know, in going through, you know, a UN uh, refugee camp to teach himself English. And when he was a teenager, uh, the uh, Oxford University had offered two scholarships to the entire kingdom of Jordan for students that they would fully, you know, cover to come and get bachelors at Oxford. And my dad ended up applying and he was one of the two wow. uh, in Jordan who that year got the scholarship. And so that was his his way out. He went to Oxford, majored in computer engineering, and then met my mom. They got married, you know, spent some time teaching. I think I spent some time in Egypt as well after London. And then they came to the U.S. when my dad got into a Ph.D. program at Columbia, um, which uh, him and my mom had a few kids at that time. And as he was pursuing his Ph.D., he ended up uh, getting pursued and getting a job, a job at what at the time was called digital. And so he actually dropped out of his PhD with his master's, um, became a U.S. citizen and then ended up sponsoring, you know, the rest of his his family. A lot of my uncles and some of my mom's family eventually came. And and so that story of my dad's was always one and my mom, she, she's really smart and, you know, was a math teacher. And they've they always raised us by, you know, with that kind of theme that education and hard work is a way out of, you know, out of really hard circumstances and no one can ever take, you know, they could take your land away from you, you know, your assets, but no one can take away your degrees and your education. And that could open so many doors. And so, you know, that was something that really inspired me and all my siblings. Um, and so, um, yeah, so that, you know, I had that growing up. Well, that's amazing. And, and, uh, you know, the, uh, we notice, uh, really, uh, the, um, Education is probably uh, the major theme of immigrants coming to the States because that the hunger of we want to make it here uh, will, exactly. uh, will always push us. Uh, how is it growing up in a like like a big household immigrant family? Um, 
how uh, the role model of, of, of your dad and, and your, uh, your parents in, in terms of pursuing uh, the STEM field and uh, versus other, uh, other fields in the um, uh, educational system here? That, that's a great question. And um, what I would say that, like many um, Arab immigrant families, my, my family definitely wanted all their children to be doctors and engineers. <laughs> Um, so, you know, my, you know, my, my dad was always, you know, education was always number one. They were actually very, very strict, very conservative as well growing up. Um, but, you know, while they wanted all of us to kind of pursue more medical type degrees, my parents were actually really shocked when I began doing research in high school. And then I started, um, I was, I was, uh, I applied and got accepted into this kind of college level credited uh, research program where I ended up finding a mentor and doing research at a pharma company, pharmaceutical company called Regeneron Pharmaceuticals. That was really yeah. close to where I grew up in mm -hmm. uh, Westchester, New York. And, you know, the whole purpose would be to kind of find a mentor, do a project, and then compete in these Intel type, uh, you know, nationwide high school competitions. And as soon as I started doing research at Regeneron, what I, you know, kind of quickly realized was I loved research and discoveries, right? And being innovative, like, you know, and that idea of having actually my own inventions and maybe even starting a company or something based on that, that got me really excited. And I remember going to my my parents at the time and saying, I don't want to do an MD, I want to do a PhD. And they kind of didn't get it at the time because no one in my family had pursued a PhD. And, you know, um, so it took them a little bit of time to sort of, you know, come around and, but but now, you know, in the end, they were super proud and, and very supportive of, of that path. Nice. Um, but that definitely, I would say that my family and their, you know, emphasis on on education and on the STEM sciences, you know, really influenced me and my siblings, um, you know, to yeah. to pursue those type of um, degrees and careers. So, Hanadi, do you think younger generation right now uh, are not pursuing STEM fields and and other higher education as often versus other options? No, I mean, I think there's a mix, you know, and I think like, you know, it's wonderful, right, for for people to to get more into the social sciences. And, and I wouldn't say like, for example, uh, one of my older sisters, Basma, she is a social impact consultant with at this point over 20 years of experience in the humanitarian space, um, you know, working at places like the International Refugee Agency um, for government, for nonprofits. Wow. You know what I mean? And so that's definitely something that I think is so crucial, mm -hmm. right? You really need to see, I think, more, you know, as we, you know, we have such an impressive Arab American community, right? Yes. And, and you know, getting folks to do more government-based work, to, to do more nonprofit social impact, you know, we need folks everywhere, right? We want folks both on the science side, but that's not, you know, it's so important to make sure that we really have, you know, folks, you know, at every aspect of, society uh, contributing 100%. in a way that can really reflect our values, right? Yes. And our ability to also support one another in the community. So after you finished your PhD and then you pursued five years of research, you decided to jump and co-found um, Javina Therapeutics. What was the epiphany moment that led you to do that? And you did this at the age of 30 is when you started your company. You know, what, what was the trigger for you starting the company? Well, well I actually think um, kind of sharing a little bit of sort of the, the longer view of sort of what triggered that would be, we'd be helpful. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, what we're doing at Juvena Therapeutics is we're really focused on developing regenerative protein-based therapeutics that can promote tissue regeneration by targeting key mechanisms underlying aging and tissue degeneration and really looking and targeting protein signaling pathways that become deregulated with age leading to chronic life-threatening debilitating diseases like for example diabetes or frailty you know what i mean or cardiovascular disease um, or neurological diseases a lot of these are in fact due to the aging process itself you know and going back to uh, my father who is right behind me that's the, that's the picture of my office my dad um you know one thing that really um really impacted me significantly growing up was that once my dad hit his 40s, he began suffering from age-related diseases and things started to go with every decade really downhill for him. Mm. So first it was, you know, diabetes and then cardiovascular disease and strokes. And then with every single year, like his just, you know, frailty, like arthritis, you know, his just mobility, his health started to decline and then accelerate. And as that was happening, um, I, I remember when I started my PhD at, at Berkeley, 
Um, and this was back in, you know, when I started my PhD, 2008, 2009, towards the end of my first year of grad school, I had taken a course in bioengineering with um, Professor Irina Conboy and her husband, Mike Conboy. And Irina became, ended up becoming my co-thesis advisor. And it was a class called Stem Cells and Directed Organogenesis, mm-hmm. where it was really then that I really fell in love, right, with this concept that by actually understanding the mechanisms by which, you know, at the protein signaling level, really, really understanding and looking at changes in blood circulation or locally in tissues and really understanding the mechanisms by which stem cells in our body and other cells in our body stop functioning properly with aging and really start to lose those cues that maintain what's known as tissue homeostasis and that healthy regeneration maintenance of your tissue, you know, by actually understanding those mechanisms, we could actually target those mechanisms to not only reverse the process, but to pro- to rejuvenate tissues, mm-hmm. promote the regeneration, repair, and even reverse in many ways aging. And as I, you know, had that sort of all of a sudden light bulb moment, of course, it was influenced so much by the fact that my own father, right, and and some many of my, you know, my grandparents, many of our, you know, our family, I'm sure many people have experienced this, were just kind of declining in health due to aging, and I felt like it was so unfair, and there were no good therapies out there that would actually treat the underlying causes versus just the symptoms. And so that's what actually uh, inspired me to dedicate my PhD at Berkeley to really the biology of aging and actually understanding and identifying mechanisms to promote our own body stem cell function, both muscle regeneration, uh, things like neurogenesis, new neuron formation, cognitive improvements, you know, with the goal that maybe one day this could actually help my dad and, you know, others and other people, you know, and future generations. Um, you know, unfortunately, uh, I was not fast enough to, for my father. He, uh, passed away last year, oh, um, yeah. but, um, you know, it was, um, once I finished my PhD at Berkeley and went on to do then, you know, a postdoc at, so, so what actually happened was when I was at Berkeley in about the third or fourth year of my grad school, one of the major discoveries I made was in looking at proteins secreted by, um, different types of human pluripotent, such as embryonic stem cells. And what my colleagues and I realized were that these pluripotent stem cells, embryonic stem cells, not only had the capacity to generate every tissue in the body, an entire human being, but that we could actually use the proteins they secrete to regenerate degenerating aged or adult tissues. Mm -hmm. So these proteins, for example, that we isolated from from, uh, human embryonic stem cells from their secretomes were able to promote muscle regeneration and reduce scar tissue formation, fibrosis. They were able to promote new cartilage formation, um, you know, when added to human chondrocyte precursors isolated from human knees of, of, you know, folks that had osteoarthritis. They were able to promote the survivability and the viability of human cortical neurons in the face of, for example, a beta which is the, you know, protein aggregate that really can, that drives a lot of the toxicity of the neurons and for Alzheimer's, for example. So it was these regenerative effects of these proteins that then inspired me to want to establish a company and a way to actually translate these proteins into, you know, first discover them and identify key drivers of of cellular tissue specific regeneration that we can then through a very drug discovery and development process you know, and really systematic method translate into engineered biologics for people to take to promote their own body's tissue regeneration. And so if you think of drugs like, for example, insulin, right, or human growth hormone, those are based on secreted proteins, which is really the category that Juven is focused in. And these drugs, these proteins, while they were discovered, you know, on a more kind of serendipitous um, level by companies like, you know, Genentech, for example, or Epigen with Amgen, these are proteins that, you know, are able to really target key mechanisms of aging and, and age-related diseases to promote tissue regeneration and rejuvenate lives, right? So when you get, for example, the age-related metabolic disease of diabetes, you're prescribed insulin, which is a, it's a secreted protein-based drug that you can then just take at home, um, you know, with a pre-filled syringe. And so at Juvena, it's our goal to actually establish a whole pipeline of drugs like that, right? That can be taken with injections right underneath the skin, self-administered at home, but that can promote regeneration for all sorts of age-related uh, diseases. Wow. This is actually uh, uh, revolutionary. Uh, you know, it, it, it's you. the idea of 
now now the uh, the the lifespan uh, uh, people are living to the mid 80s right now especially in north america but with this technology uh, i would say we can we uh, maybe in 30 50 years uh, we can uh, reach 100 and that will 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 have all sort of economic impact on uh, society and uh, that's uh, that's amazing uh, just uh, based on uh, your experience so far if you can explain to our audience just give us a general idea about the biotech uh, industry what are uh, the main activities happening or the main ideas circulating right now and would love after that to hear your your idea uh, your thoughts about uh, um, the role of ai in uh, accelerating uh, the uh, the oh, r d yeah. absolutely and all great questions and and thank you and, and i do want to emphasize that at you know juvenile we're not you know, our goal ultimately isn't just to extend lifespan. That might happen, you know, eventually. Yeah. And there's a lot of excited companies that are targeting aging, you know, for, for, you know, many of those purposes, but really to really improve the years at which you are living, you know, your mm -hmm. life to the fullest, right. right? So that folks like my father and others, rather than getting these chronic debilitating degenerative diseases, can live their 40s, their 50s, their 60s, and hopefully even their, you know, 70s and beyond, you know, with that full energy and ability to travel and play and, and be with your loved ones and be, you know, present. And that, so that's what we're so passionate about. Exactly. Um, to your question, um, and I didn't start out of grad school. I actually went off to do my postdoc, uh, like you you mentioned, mm -hmm. uh, Malik, and at Stanford for five years. And then then I started Juvena, but we can talk about that. Mm -hmm. um, so um, there, there's a lot of exciting things happening in the biotech field. Right. Um, you know, Juven is definitely part of, you know, sort of that movement where with in, in I guess the last several years with the advent of multiple types of technologies, such as, for example, sequencing technology, single cell uh, sequencing, the improvements of quantitative proteomics, the you know increase in automation and high content imaging combined with improvements both in uh, data science. Um, in you know biostatistics, bioinformatics, and machine learning and AI, you know, driven technologies, these are all sort of coming together to you know really open up so many frontiers for um, revolutionary new drugs, hopefully to 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 be developed and and you know in the near future enter the market. But um, you know things like gene editing, right? The you know discovery of CRISPR to CRISPR, actually yeah. be able mm -hmm. to specifically edit our genomes, like hopefully we'll start seeing you know therapies in that area in the future. Of course, Juvena being one of, you know, several kind of, you know, companies that are that have recently sprung up that are really targeting the biology of aging to treat age related diseases, chronic diseases, um, you know, and our, our, our regenerative approach, of course, is, is really unique, um, you know, by mapping secreted proteins to unmet medical needs. There's so much, you know, what I mean? there's like so much out there, um, you know, different modalities, you know, the RNA type therapies, oh, the reprogramming that's happening, right? Like being able to discover that you can actually, you know, take any cell and reprogram them to, yeah. to become pluripotent, meaning they can then make any tissue or do, you know, partial reprogramming where you sort of a little bit kind of rewind a cell in a way that they're stem cell like-ish. And then it, it causes this kind of youthful reprogramming that they've seen in animal models. There's a lot of, you know, discoveries, academic discoveries, really basic scientific discoveries, that might take a, a bit of time, but that companies are just starting to kind of spring up around to figure out ways to, you know, take those discoveries and actually translate them into therapies that can really impact human health. Mm -hmm. So, so Nadi, over the past few years, over the past five years, you have raised multiple rounds of fund. Most recently, you raised your Series A. Congratulations for that. Over $50 million. Really amazing. You know, <laughs> how was your experience when you took your idea and you hit the road and you tried to explain that vision and try to find a VC that aligns with your vision and that sees the long-term applications of what you guys are working on. It's definitely been tough. <laughs> it's been a journey and uh, one in which, you know, I've, I've learned tremendously and continue to learn, you know, from, from experience, sometimes from, from mistakes. Um, so, so very humble and grateful for the outstanding, you know, team, for my co-founder, who's um, really been, you know, a major partner in this um, and for our founding employees and all our investors, advisors. Um, but, you know, I had spent, you know, so it, it was, you know, in those early days, I was actually in my early 20s when I started thinking about Juvenile right, as a PhD student at Berkeley. 
But when I first, at the time, you know, it was only my third year of grad school. I did try to talk to a few investors, think about maybe writing a grant, starting something. There was just like, no one could see the vision. You know, I wasn't, um, people weren't taking me seriously because I hadn't, I didn't have my PhD. I didn't have my patents issued yet and my publications, you know, also just being like a, a younger woman and, you know, a minority there were, there were, it was tough. Um, I went off and continued to hone my expertise uh, with my postdoc at Stanford uh, in the Department of Neurology, where I kept, you know, learning more about brain aging, publishing, I, you know, got a nature medicine paper, I had several issued patents, then and, and my work at Berkeley came out. And then I feel like people started taking my ideas and this sort of this vision a little bit more seriously. And, um, and during my postdoc, you know, I had a side project, right? And my side project that sort of was kind of mine wasn't building the business model around juvenile. So it was sort of years of kind of planting the seeds of kind of figuring out how we I would build the systematic platform, utilizing the latest in, you know, proteomics combined with bioinformatics, machine learning, AI type technologies to really build the systematic platform for uh, for mapping secreted proteins enriched in, in secret terms of stem cells to diseases, to cells and tissues in which they could promote disease modifying effects in. And so it wasn't until... Uh, and then I got obsessed with my postdoc research and almost went off to be a professor. I was, you know, working my my publication revisions, being recruited by some some really excellent university. So, you know, I almost was going to just do that instead. But um, I found a few advisors, and it was like in uh, at Stanford fourth year of my postdoc. It was like two, 2017, in which I then also found an attorney at Fenwick who was willing who really liked my idea. So the first thing I did was not actually get an investor to give me money. It was to get my sister and brother-in-law to, you know, angel invest a little. I had one advisor angel invest a little bit. And then I found a, a corporate attorney from a top, you know, corporate firm who said, I like you. I like your idea. I think you can start this. I will kind of, I will just, you know, I will help you incorporate, help you kind of get set up your shop. And then you could just pay me back once you get your, you know, seed financing round. So that kind of that deferment. So getting that, you know, really helped legitimize things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once I met my co-founder at Stanford and convinced him to come on board and join, and that was like in the fall of 2017. And we had our business model. We were incorporated. We had a little bit of angel money, as mentioned from, you know, advisor, a little, a little bit of family, you know, angel investor money. That's when we went out and started pitching to um, to institutional investors in Silicon Valley, and um, you know we it, it was um, it continues to be right every year I've raised is always a struggle in the sense that most folks aren't going to you know understand your vision. You're actually going to most of your answers are going to be no. You're yeah. going to spend so much time in diligence where you're like, great, I've spent months, I've you know answered all your questions, I've spent hours and hours and hours, I've visited you in person. And you think you're going to get a yes, and then it's a no. <laughs> so yes. There's constant, there's so much grit, perseverance. And I would say really just believing in yourself, right? Understanding that deep down, no matter how many people kind of can't, you know, aren't aligning, you're using all the feedback from every single pitch, from every single no to improve and strengthen your business model, to improve your pitch, your story, mm-hmm. um, my ability to kind of sway, sway investors. And so, um, you know, and and we were fortunate to now have an outstanding right Amazing. syndicate of, you know, angel and some some you know a mixture of institutional investors as well as really prominent angel investors. Um, you know what I mean? Who have supported us uh, and continue to, and so it's been a journey. With that, you know, the long long story short, I guess. This is amazing, uh, Hanadi. Uh, I'm really curious about um, the thought process. Uh, in the early stage of this idea. Uh, uh, you know, we've noticed a lot of um, uh, examples of uh, researchers or professors, they wanna, they have an idea, they're working in a, in, at a university, and then the two options, whether taking grants from the, from the university, uh, working on that idea within the university environment, but at the end, uh, the idea is owned by the university. You might have some royalties. Uh, uh, you might negotiate that. The other option is going by yourself and uh, trying to figure out a way for funding. Um, I'm sure you've been through that, uh, you know, decision. Uh, uh, how did you approach it? And uh, um, you know, walk us through the thought process. That's a great question. There is, 
it's kind of like this, this balance you have to play where, you know, when you're doing research in academia, right, everything you discover, of course, you're going to be co-inventor, but it's all owned by the university. Exactly. And so some universities are a little bit more friendly than others in, for example, kind of, um, you know, how, what arrangements or how much it costs to license or what equity they might want as part of the kind of deal that you put together. Um, I had some, some, some IP out of Berkeley that I, we considered at Juvena, you know, licensing based on some of the discoveries I'd made at that time on, um, this, the regenerative effects of human embryonic stem cell secretomes. But we ended up after actually doing a little bit of research. Well, I'm so proud of my issued patents and everything. We actually, um, realized that in the business model we developed at Juvena where we're identifying, you know, key individual proteins and combinations of proteins and really mapping proteins, not whole secret tones, but proteins, specific proteins, different indications that there was just so much more work we needed to do at Juvena and IP around those, the, the platform plus the assets we were developing that we needed to do at Juvena to really protect the, what we're commercializing, okay. protect what we, if that makes sense. Yes. So, um, we were, you know, what, one thing I kind of, I encourage, and I do mentor a lot of um, early founders and, you know, postdocs and, and uh, grad students that are considering spin, spinning out through things like Stardex, um, Nucleate Bio, On Deck Longevity, um, and others, you know what I mean? I, I, I'm really passionate about mentoring folks. And, you know, what I kind of tell them is if you have some great ideas and if you are able to, before you have, like, if it's early enough where there's still a bit more work to do rather than do it in academia and then have to deal with licensing, yes. see if you can get a little bit of angel money. It doesn't even have to be CD. It could be pre-seed and you literally rent lap space, you know what I mean? which is exactly what Juvena did. We literally set up shop for four years at um, a nonprofit organization called Stardex, which is in a community of founders that are alumni or affiliated with Stanford that basically, you know, work together to support one another. And they have a, a building down the road from Stanford that, you can actually rent really cheap um, office and even lab space to get started. So, so that's what we chose to do, which was basically, you know, really build the IP around what we're doing at Juvena and do it for us. It was during seed stage, but other founders I've recommended, you know, even if it means pre-seed, you know, getting a, a small sum of money from a few angels or even grants like SBAR yes. grants, and then just renting some space and generating the data and then filing your own IP with your, your IP attorney that's going to be a much easier way and uh, to go than than licensing from university, but it's also doable. And, and more and more universities are are kind of be becoming a little bit more understanding and flexible when it comes to their IP because universities they should be incentivized to want you know spinouts from from academia and to not hold back founders. Hundred um, percent. So things are improving, but yeah, so that's 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 the deal with Juvena. We ended up just generating our own IP. And also, to my knowledge, uh, Stanford really uh, their their entrepreneurship environment there is really supportive for for spinoffs and entrepreneurs. Uh, um, you know, I'm uh, I'm uh, really curious about the pros and cons and lesson learned from being researcher versus entrepreneur. Uh, if you can, uh, guess uh, I guess walk us uh, through the the pros and cons and and the, and the contrast sure. between these two worlds. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and what am I like? And you guys mentioned, you know, it's a it's a very different job description. <laughs> yes. right? So um I think what I love about being a scientist, right, is the just ability to kind of have these hypotheses, ideas, and go after them and design experiments, which I actually love doing and executing them and getting data and analyzing data and and understanding, you know, new things based on those experiments. So being, you know, in the lab, if you're a wet lab researcher or even a computational biologist uh, and, and at your computer, but really just focused on the research, on the science is so much fun. But if you are also someone that has a side of you that's, you know, a little bit more social or extroverted or on the sort of, you know, management, like there's certain aspects that being just in the lab, um, you, you don't get some satisfaction out of that I think being an entrepreneur and building an organization, any type of organization, but also like, you know, a business, a corporation really, you know, is a different, is it, it's an added skill set, right? For me, my science, you know, along with my, you know, co-founder and CSO, my, who's a proteomics and machine learning expert, Jeremy, you know, he and I like together have really 
driven the science and built our platform. And I'm still, I'm very heavy on the science was based on a lot of my discoveries, you know, and ideas. And so, so having that is actually really useful. And I think many of my investors that say that they love having, you know, a chief executive officer who also has the technical background and actually understands the work Mm -hmm. isn't just sort of like a salesperson, but then on the other side of the coin, you know, being an entrepreneur, you're also dealing with things that some scientists don't like to deal with, but, you know, a lot of GNA, right? A lot of human resources, a lot of, you know, uh, leadership in terms of like just being able to kind of lead, delegate, manage, sell your vision. Um, and I'm continuously learning, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, I wouldn't say I'm perfect at anything, but, um, but, you know, just kind of willing to try and and just fortunate that I have a team that's sort of, you know, willing and excited about sharing that mission, that vision and executing on that, that vision, because I can be the visionary, but then if I'm doing all that and all the CEO right. stuff, I can't be in the lab doing the, exp- I tried actually doing the first year of Juvena. I was actually doing experiments and everything, but that did not last very long. Um, so that's how they're different. You know what I mean? One is more a business type role versus just being like a scientist, which is also really exciting. Right. Uh, out of curiosity, did you ever pursue any like mentorship or any further education on the business side just to supplement your knowledge there so you can run? Because at the end of the day, it's I mean, it's a business operation that's got to run. Absolutely. And, you know, it's scary right? <laughs> for someone. Yeah. I remember when we first closed our seed round, turning to my co like to my like colleagues and co I was like, wait a minute, did did these investors really just wire four million into a business bank account I just opened and walk away? Right? <laughs> like, not, I thought there was oh gonna be God. some like 101, <laughs> you know, here's a book, like <laughs> here's how you deal with attorneys, here's like how you set, you know, nothing, right? And I was floored, nervous, freaked out for a moment. And then I was like, okay. And then that's actually why we were so fortunate to like sometimes it's just about finding what you don't understanding and accepting that you don't know, like there's more, like, you don't know most of what you should know and you have to right. learn it and figure it out. And then having organizations, right. It's all about the network effect. So I was able to get advisors, right. Who were experienced some, some of them serial entrepreneurs, some of them, you know, you know, other biotech type CEOs or CSOs, um, mm-hmm. you know, mentors, you know, so those folks were in and many of my investors who became sort of mentors who were really instrumental in helping guide who I could really ask any question to, and then having that community, like getting into Stardex and then having other founders and companies. And then, and I'm also part of the sort of aging biology founder community here in Silicon Valley. So basically I found several more experienced, you know, CEOs to kind of be people that I could lean on. I could message, I could ask questions as well as, like I said, the advisors um, and then really supportive investors. But, and I read a lot of books and and a lot of audiobooks. books. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, management books, audio books, like I'm, I'm like a sponge, you know what I mean? Constantly trying to learn uh, and figure things out. And, and then, and luckily now Juven is able to also hire, right? Industry mm-hmm. veterans, good managers. Like it's not about doing it all yourself. It's actually about really building that team and, you know, really sharing in that, you know, I know I keep saying it, but that mission right together, knowing that we're building something great that we, you know, and that there's steps to get there and it's a path you know, and then, and just having really experienced folks with you on Mm -hmm. that, 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 you know, journey and also in leadership positions. Right. I mean, that community that you're counting on, um, as mentors, that's gotta be like incredibly, you know, helpful and important because it's, yeah, I feel like the scariest part isn't what you don't know because you can learn that it's what you don't know that you don't know. Right. Like what's in your blind (laughs) spot and you're like completely, it's like out of your, out of your realm of possibilities. And then suddenly it's in your face. So like that, that's got to be very, very important. So, you know, looking, looking down the road, what's, what's your vision? What's the future look like for, for you and for, you know, Juvena um, Therapeutics over the next five years on the long run? I, uh, we're so excited. We are just so excited to be right here. You know what I mean? It's um, probably like, yeah, things will always get, you know, there's, there's going to be challenges, you know what I mean? And I, you know, don't want to jinx myself, but definitely it's like, for us, it's so exciting because we just, you know, closed our series A financing last year, which took us so a while, right? It was not an overnight thing. It, it wasn't even like just a one year thing, right? Like I felt like I'd started Juvena, gotten our seed. And from that moment on, I was like, what do we need to do to get to that series A, which I felt in so many ways was going to be sort of like a milestone that really legitimized this, this company. And then, you know, it showed that we're, we're here for the long run. Mm-hmm. And we were a seed stage company 
for four and a half years. We raised that 4.3 million seed. We did 8.2 million in safe notes. We raised over $4 million in grants from the National Institute of Health and the California Institute of Regenerative Medicine before finally closing a substantial Series A with some outstanding investors, uh, including uh, um, one that's Middle East based, uh, Mubadala Ventures, mm-hmm. uh, by the way. So, um, you know, got got some support from the neighborhood. <laughs> yes. What is the um, lead investor? You know, because what I'm... I would say is we're looking in the next five years to advance at least one, if not some of our drugs into the clinic. Right. So to go from being a discovery preclinical company to then now really being in that clinical stage where, you know, um, so next year we hope to get our first what's called an investigation new drug for a neuromuscular disease called myotonic dystrophy type one. And then once we get that IND next year, we will then hopefully, you know, knock and would uh, be going into the clinic, right, into a, a combined phase one, two clinical study. We have several other early stage discovery hits meaning proteins that we've discovered at Juvena and identified can drive certain types of cellular or tissue regeneration across different therapeutic areas, right? From, you know, pulmonary fibrotic type diseases mm. to, you know, uh, cardiometabolic, uh, you know, lip things for like liver disease um, and looking at several other, you know, therapeutic areas through really building up that platform, building up our machine learning capabilities, our computationally driven uh, discovery and hopefully getting two to three new drugs to that point of, you know, being in that preclinical stage in, in the next few years and then into the clinic. That's an exciting goal. Um, out of curiosity, was Mubadala the lead investor on your Series A? They, they co-led. Yeah, they co-led, they okay. co-led it. Okay. Hanadi, uh, you know, two-part question. I've been noticing uh, being in, in the healthcare industry myself, uh, the amount of money and investment in new startups uh, since the early 2010s has been increasing every year. Uh, um, and now recently, the past five to 10 years, I've, I've, uh, you know, the, the interest and excitement from the Middle East, especially Saudi Arabia, uh, UAE, uh, they're really interested in, in uh, health IT and biotech and life sciences. Uh, uh, can you tell us more about your observation uh, of the amount of funding and the interest from from our region in the Middle East in life sciences and biotech? I'd say it's increasing, like you're saying. You know what I mean? When I first set up shop for Ju- like with Juvena, I never even thought about you know at the time. I remember in 2017, 2018, actually Mubadala had just set up in 2018 their venture office in San Francisco and then started investing in biotech. So, you know, it has just been in the last few years that there's yeah. a growing interest, um, you know, but, but you know, with Mubadala, they actually have a really impressive now growing portfolio of biotech companies really focused on companies that have really unique computationally driven platforms for drug discovery and development. Um, so I'm really happy to be part of that family. Um, and then for example, um, there's another fund um, that Juven is not yet involved with or anything, but we, we definitely, you know, would like to be in the future um, called Evolution Foundation okay. that uh, was, you know, that Saudi Arabia basically, you know, is funding, um, which is also a nonprofit with kind of a venture arm that's going to be investing starting this year, a billion a year in age-related oh, wow. disease wow. research oh, and an wow. understanding of the biology of aging and longevity and I think Mubadala is starting a, a bit of a focus in this area as well. And so the reason this is so important and applicable to the Middle East and our region is we have some of the, you know, in the, unfortunately, in, in the Arab Gulf and just, you know, Arab Levant, the Arab world, yes. some of the largest, um, you know, uh, it, chronic debilitating diseases, incidences of that, like, you know, obesity related diseases, diabetes, metabolic, frailty, um, stroke, cardiovascular, it's 100%. really sad. Um, it's all over the world. Don't get me wrong. This is like a global thing, yes. but we definitely have, you know, I think there's now been a, a, a increasing realization in the Middle East that it's so important to develop therapies and ways to promote healthy aging and to really target some of these age-related chronic diseases, you know, through unique mechanisms, right? So I, I am seeing from the Arab Gulf in particular, but hopefully, you know, it'll grow uh, an increase in wanting companies such as Juvena's you know, in this healthcare sector, just the sector of also, you know, even a digital health of, you know, other ways in which we can really, you know, educate our, um, the Arab world and yeah. on healthier living and also remedies and, and therapeutics to target these diseases. So, yeah. so there's an increase for yeah. sure. 
Uh, and Hanadi, I'm really curious to to uh, to explore. Uh, did your background as a an immigrant did this background has anything to do with um, being an entrepreneur and your entrepreneur drive? Uh, I'm uh, I'm really curious because maybe maybe it has nothing to do, but uh, uh, I've noticed a lot of uh, of. Um, including ourselves and, and other immigrants, that we want to do something of our own, uh, this entrepreneurship spark uh, in us as immigrants. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm really curious if it's the same for you. Absolutely. You yes? know, absolutely. Okay. I think being an immigrant or being first generation, I remember um, just a couple weeks ago, literally two weeks ago, I was on a panel uh, during JP Morgan for this biotech showcase. It was oh. like an AI panel mm -hmm. where each one of us on the panel, we're talking about how, you know, artificial intelligence applied to um, biotech, diagnostics, drug and drug discovery. And we, each of us, every single person on the panel was either an immigrant or a first generation, wow. right? <laughs> and, and I think that's a very common theme. Yes. And I think there is this kind of sense of really um, appreciating that grit, that perseverance, that, that kind of the opportunity that America presents in terms of, you know, actually being able to go up the ladder through education, hard work, and and you know, uh, making it work that way that that you see in a lot of first generation folks and immigrants. Um, and you know, I shared my you know my family story that's been so inspiring, and and it wasn't even just my dad. Like I remember, like everyone in my family has been a bit, you know, so many folks have been entrepreneurial. You know, my mom's grandparents you know, decided to stay in the West Bank and they had everything stripped from them. And they, you know, my grandfather got a sewing machine and started making and selling clothes. And then he became a teacher and then him and my grandma, right. Who, you know, uh, didn't even have a, you know, read it, wasn't even able to read actually didn't even have like a, you know, uh, her finish her education. Yes. They actually partnered and then set up a money, a money trading business, right. Like Amazing. through the West Bank and Jordan and, and then we're able to, to move out of the refugee camp and buy their own house. So I've always been able to look at sort of my family and see, you know, if they could make it happen in some of the toughest, you know, like conditions and actually having lost everything and then, re, you know, work your way back, then, then you know, hopefully I can make it work growing up in, um, you know, in a beautiful house and neighborhood and with amazing resources here in the States. Amazing. Uh, and so that's definitely driven me. And, and I definitely think that that is a common theme with uh, immigrants or first generation folks in the Arab community, but also in, you know, many, many, uh, you know, cultures. What's your, uh, what's your advice to, to young, um, young Arab immigrants, young, and even first generation and uh, young Arab women want to pursue entrepreneurship or, uh, this, uh, the field of STEM, what are your advice uh, to them? Thanks. I mean, I think my, my, uh, thanks for asking. My advice would be to, you know, pursue your dreams and don't let, don't, don't let anything get in the way, right? Like it's going to be tougher as a woman, unfortunately, regardless of, you know, just being a woman period. And then you add, you know, being a Arab woman or Muslim, you know, uh, if you are just being just, you know, a woman of color, you know, exactly. how you identify, it's even tougher, right? That it takes sometimes, you know, folks won't take you as seriously or, you know what I mean? Like you feel really uncomfortable sometimes when you walk in a room to give a pitch and, you know, no one looks like you, but don't like, don't let that stop you, right? Because, you know, people are more and more appreciating that diversity actually brings profit profitability right and you know you being your uniqueness and and you know being different you actually have so much to add because of that um and no matter what folks say you're always there will be champions there's going to be folks that you know try to put you down or prevent but you'll also have champions and you know also coming from sort of the the, the you know out of culture sometimes we're you know our families can be a little conservative but you know, hopefully they can see the benefit, right, of really, you know, having, you know, Arab women be educated, you know, get out of the housework, do things like, you know, I think it's something that really helps and will bolster our community. And, uh, and I just, you know, want to say, go get it. I guess. <laughs> and, and folks can definitely reach out to me. I'm always happy to be a mentor, or oh, if yeah. I have the chance to answer questions and, and try to open doors for, for other, you know, women and other people in the community. Great, great. Well, you know, we, we can jump to the next stage before we touch quickly on AI and the role of AI and the growth in your industry. 
I mean, like recently, like the, there's a lot of talk about ChatGPT and the, the different applications of it. And that's probably like just scratching the surface in terms of the applications of AI in industry. So what's your observation and how it's applicable in your industry and how fast it's growing? Yeah, I think um, what's really exciting, I guess, about you know, applying artificial intelligence and, you know, machine learning uh, type technologies is it is accelerating our ability to, to get results and to speed up the actual process of design development, mm -hmm. right? At Juvena, we, we don't think of just, you know, AI driving anything. It's really just utilizing artificial intelligence technologies combined with other types of computational techniques, bioinformatics, statistical methods, to integrate into every step of our in silico prediction, you know, of, of a protein's ability to cause a disease modifying effect in a cell, then, you know, developing different types of, for example, deep learning models that can help us quantitate and improve the ability to actually get data when we test then those proteins in our um, high throughput screening uh, human in vitro disease model assays to then also integrating, you know, um, deep learning models and tools for the way that we quantitate things like functional behavior of animals when we inject the proteins and animal models to test whether they're actually having an effect, you know, in the physiological setting to target an age-related or uh, rare or chronic type of disease. So, so that's what I think is really, you know, it's becoming something that I think ultimately isn't just going to be companies that use AI and companies that don't, you know, with the improvement in these, you know, types of um, pattern recognition, basically algorithms, right? Mm. It's, it's, you know, we're already seeing improvements across so many sectors and every sector of, of, you know, society from, you know, including bi biotechnology, mm -hmm. right? And so I think eventually the way I see AI uh, improving what we do is every single researcher is going to want to use these type of models and techniques to improve, I think, their the discovery, the screening, and the development process. And AI is actually becoming some some technologies, and some companies are even becoming so good with their their uh, with artificial intelligence that they're able to design molecules from scratch without yeah. you know needing sort of a, a human chemist or human sort of molecular expert wow. to to design that. So there's so much that's happening with AI and for diagnostics as well. Like mm -hmm. using some of these models are actually helping us identify cancers earlier you know, or, you know, screen and assess images in a way that even human exp uh, experts, you know, uh, are, are not doing. So I think just augmenting human um, professions, you know, is, is sort of the future of AI and really, you know, being able to use it to just improve and speed up the drug discovery processes, the way that Juven is leveraging, you know, deep learning and machine learning techniques. Amazing. Got it. Well, you know, Hanad, you're clearly very passionate about, about your field, about what you're doing. So I've just quick fire round for you. What inspires you? What inspires me? So I am inspired. Uh, and I know I'm like a broken record with this, but I'm definitely inspired so much, you know what I mean, by by my you know family and my father's personal story. Mm -hmm. um, I am also inspired by this just passion and ambition, right? To want to see some of these ideas and discoveries that I made, my colleagues have made, you know, uh, at the bench actually make it, you know what I mean? From bench to the clinic to actually mm -hmm. help people. Uh, I'm really inspired by knowing that what we're aiming to solve is something that if we don't solve could really affect humanity in a very negative way, right? As you kind of, you know, said Unwood earlier, right? We actually, it's like, there's a there's a major healthcare crisis that we're facing with the global aging population. People are living longer than ever, but they're, but the actual amount of time that they're living with chronic debilitating diseases with no cures mm -hmm. is longer than ever. It's, it's, you know, the, these windows are getting larger. And so we want to shut, we want to shorten that, that time and really improve health span. And so that just that desire, you know, and the desire and inspiration to knowing that what I do will hopefully help future generations, you know, live life to the fullest um, is and uh, and then lastly, you know, knowing that also my success, you know what I mean, will hopefully open a lot of doors for other, you know, out of women for that right. community, you know what I mean, to to really showcase and help us. And, you know, I would like to, you know, in my spare time, do things like philanthropy, um, you know, support nonprofits, support, you know, folks in the ground, you know, my success and inshallah in the future, mm. my wealth will also hopefully lead to being able to channel some of that into improvements, you know, for our community. 
Um, so that really inspires and drives me as well. What, what was the best moment um, that stands out in your recent journey, you know, through your education and through starting the company and, and today? I would say um, there were, you know, I don't know if there was just one. I feel like there were a few kind of pivotal moments, right? I mentioned sort of the light bulb moments of, you know, starting my PhD and realizing that the area I wanted to focus on the biology of aging could lead to starting a company, which had been a dream since I started my research um, mm -hmm. as a teenager at Regeneron. Um, another pivotal moment, of course, was like getting my PhD. Wow. That was a huge just, you know, feeling of accomplishment in terms of, and then when I was at uh, Stanford, when my um, submitted, and then actually when my nature medicine paper, I was, I had a first author nature medicine paper come out of some of my research on the neurobiology and oh, wow. brain aging. Mm -hmm. um, that was pivotal closing the seed round for Juvena, right? Incorporating yeah. Juvena, right? Because I was definitely freaking out a bit and not sure if I wanted to leave my postdoc. And I was thinking about being a professor. And so just incorporating and getting that done was like a moment. Closing the seed round right, was, you know, a huge excitement. You know what I mean? Um, closing the Series A, mm -hmm. right? Like wow. succeeding in the fundraise last year, right? Because that was going to make or break Juvena, right? We were, right. you know, there's only so long we, I mean, we would have been able to go on a, a while longer, continue probably with grants. And, but now with this influx of capital, the team has tripled already in size. We're continuing to to hire, you know, outstanding management team, as well as scientists and engineers. Mm -hmm. We now have the, you know, the resources to really execute e even more on some of these ideas um, and progress we, we made um, in the early days. So great. And, and on the flip side, what was the worst or most challenging moment in that journey? If, if any stands out. The fundraise, right? Fundraising is hard. <laughs> so I think the most challenging was in, you know, in what my job description entails. Right? You know, yes. When you're a CEO, like, you know, I am the one that really has, uh, you know, leads and is responsible for making sure that, you know, everyone, you know, gets their paycheck at the end of every, you know, every month and, and whatnot, right? Mm -hmm. and, and that the doors stay open. And so I think that has been, you know, continuously really challenging, but it's something that I, I'm getting, I'd like to say I'm getting better at. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like um, continuously improving, but I just think fundraising has been the consistently the most, hard, the hardest thing I've ever done. And then having, you know, reminding myself, like I said, that, you know, to be, to have that self-faith and self-confidence and self-love when sometimes things aren't going well or people are saying no and you get rejections, you know, getting rejection is hard, but like, if you can get over it, you know, then, then there's just so much more opportunity. And I actually think that applies to everything in life, right? Like if you try and fail, at least you tried. So it's not really failing because you learned, but if you just, you know, are too scared to even try, you are automatically failed, mm -hmm. right? So it's just that, you know, um, that's been really challenging, though, to sometimes have to remind myself, <laughs> you know, those lessons. Wow. That's right. Well, Anadi, we really enjoyed the, conver the conversation with you. Um, this was absolutely inspiring, and we look forward to staying in touch and to hearing about more future successes for yourself and for, for Juvena. Thank you so much, Manny.